0: Father, we are grateful for your word, for the fact that you have spoken, that you have not hidden from us your will. We pray, God, that you would give us greater understanding. We pray that you would help us respond rightly. We pray by the power of the Spirit that we would live in a way that would glorify you and love other people. In Christ's name, amen. When I say the word work, what comes to your mind? You might think it's a place where you go and put in your 40 hours a week and then go home. Then after 40 years, hopefully, you never go back. That may be kind of what kind of comes to your mind. In your mind, maybe you think uh, it's a necessary evil in a fallen world. For some of you, work might be, in, in, when, it, when you think about it and it comes to your mind, just a way to get what you want out of life. Not necessarily seeing any value in the work itself, but just working so that you could get what you want or what your family wants. So you say, I'm doing this for my family, and so maybe that's the way you would see work a way to gain happiness for you and your offspring, maybe you would say. For some, work might be their life. You could say, it is where I find my identity. It's what I live for. It's all I know. you see anything wrong with that? Any of those scenarios? Anything at all? You might say, I see something wrong with some of those. Maybe not all of those. How does the Bible describe the concept of work? It's a very important thing for us to think about. It is a means to glorify God and serve others. This certainly would include your family, but not limited to your family. For many of us, the idea of vocation or calling has been stripped from our thoughts. If we talked about calling, you might say the only person you know that you would consider had a calling might be like a pastor, but everyone else, the calling is not really what you would think of. You would just say they go to work. I stopped by this week and talked to Jason Cree because I've been thinking about the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Some of you may have watched that movie. Others may have seen it as a rerun and then went to the next channel. But I, I always enjoyed like watching that movie. Uh, in the movie, the main character, George, had the plans of leaving, had plans of leaving home and traveling the world, and was kept by a variety of circumstances in his hometown. He followed his, in his father's footsteps, and he struggled to make ends meet as he served the community through providing loans that could help people get a house. He did that throughout his whole life, and maybe somewhere around the middle of his life, uh, you know, I would say probably... In his late 30s, early 40s, he is in, found himself in a financial crisis that he didn't do himself, but he found himself there. And um, he, he was at the point of, like, giving up on life itself. And then this beautiful picture is presented of the community and those who were associated with it coming around him and supporting him. And it's kind of one of those things, those stories where you see Oh, this is how communities are built. These are how lives are built. This is how a civilization is built. And it surrounds this kind of story of this man giving his life, maybe not always thoughtfully thinking about how he wanted to serve, but kind of forced into service and yet at the same time willingly serving a a people. I think it's important to reflect on the work that God has given us to do and see how we might glorify God and serve others in it. And I think we have to think more holistically than we often think. Work is not just to make money, and it's not just to provide for my family. It has other implications because there are some work that you don't make any money at doing. Like you just do it, and there's no money involved. For instance, a mother. She has a calling, a vocation, and and she may do that, you know, however many hours a week and never get a dime from it, but it is a calling, and it's a good calling, and it's a a God-glorifying task that he's given, and so I think it's important for us to think about the idea of work and to think clearly about it and, and really work through it in a wise way. Now, Um, There have been, over the last few years, a lot of people talking about faith and work. And they're dialoguing about it and trying to think through that concept and work through it and and, and try to really think about how should Christians think about work. Uh, Tim Keller, in his book, Every Good Endeavor, talks about that movement. And he says, when you think about the faith and work movement, you should think of it as a river being fed by a number of different streams from different headwaters. And he starts by looking at the different streams. One is the ecumenical movement, and it emphasizes kind of work in in light of like a social justice in the world, like bringing about social justice in the world. They kind of emphasize for us the Christian ethics that should be in our mind when we go to work. That, that was, that's one movement, and they're going to kind of bring that to the table, and it's a helpful thing to, to understand what they're pointing at, the idea of ethics and how the Christians should think about uh, how they, they encounter other people, especially those who are in great need. There's a small group movement of the 20th century, and it emphasizes encouraging and nurturing one another through the difficulties of work. So the emphasis there would be on inner spiritual renewal and heart transformation. And they're coming alongside in a small group movement. And you would say, oh, as a mom, this is so hard. Or as a teacher, this is what I'm struggling with. or as this, And all the different hats or callings that we wear, the small group movement comes along and says, like, we've got to deal with the heart. You've got to, to deal with what's uh, going on in your heart here and learn to fight by faith and trust the Lord. There's another kind of group that you could say the revivalist impulse, he calls, of the evangelicalism. And what happens there is, is uh, they see work as a platform, kind of, to share the gospel. And so work is kind of really like this kind of a way in which you get to like speak to people and share the gospel with people. Again, another thing that has value and, and it's, it's good and you could see that and understand that. Some people would say, that's the only reason I go to work. You know, and maybe they're not, again, thinking as holistically as they should about work. Others have looked at old, older groups like the Protestant Reformation, Luther and Calvin, argued that ev- even so-called secular work was as much a calling from God as the ministry of the monk or priest. So they would think about work and they would see it not as the way I serve God is by doing church work and the way I I, and and then when I go to the secular work, I I don't know who who am I serving there kind of, you know, they're they're saying actually you're serving God in both of these things. And so uh, the Lutheran kind of focus would put stress on the dignity of all work observing that God cared for, check this out, fed, clothed, sheltered, and supported the human race through our labor. They would call this kind of work, he would, I mean, really, in that Lutheran kind of thought, it's like we are the fingers of God, and God is using us to do his work. Some in the Reformed tradition would think of the purpose of work is to create a culture that honors God and enables people to thrive. It's a little bit different than the Lutheran thought in that they, this thought would be like, as a Christian, I'm gonna, I work a little bit different than a non-Christian with different goals in mind. I, I'm, I'm trying to create, in a sense, a culture that would be God-glorifying and people-flourishing kind of place. So anyway, there's a lot of different thoughts, and so what happens is, and this is just important for you to understand, is there'll be people that will say, Well, the main the main thing in work is this. This is the main thing. You know, and, and people like to do that. They like to say, Well, I'm tell you, I'm gonna tell you the main thing when you go to work is this. The problem is there are a lot of things and a lot of reasons, and so That we do this work and that God has called us to work. And I just think it's important. Instead of like getting to that place where you say this is the main reason. You might have to just say there are multiple reasons. And all of these different points are complementary. And it might be helpful. Now you can think about it like this. Let's say there was an organization. And that organization had a chaplain in it their main focus maybe was to care for people's spiritual needs and to share the gospel. Another person in that same organization might be a nurse. And that nurse, their role in the kind of big picture of things is to care for physical needs when someone hurts themselves. And then there might be another person in that organization who's teaching people about safety. And so their role in that deal and all of these things are things that, will, that would glorify God and serve people. And so I just think it's important that we might say, and each one of those maybe has a different, stronger emphasis there. So you say, Jerry, why are we talking about all this? I think it's extremely important because I don't think most people think very much about what they're doing. And the problem is God has called us to work, and there, it, it, it takes up a lot of our life. We're to wear a lot of hats in this life. We have a lot of things he's called to do in different times. Certainly, there are different things that he gives us. And if that's the case, we are to serve him in it. And so we have to think, I think, very clearly about it. Now, three headings over the next, hopefully in the next two weeks or whatever, we'll be able to do this. But one is work is good. Another one is work is cursed. And the third one is work is restored. Okay. So we're going to look at those three headings mainly focusing on work is good today and think about God's plan for work and what his pattern for work is. So hopefully that will help you as we move forward and that you could come away and say, really, you'll see God's intention for work, see that he created it and it was good, it was his design. Understand certainly that it's fallen, but now in Christ, we're trying to understand how we might it might be redeemed and restored, all that we do. So hopefully that will be something that will help you as we move forward and we'll kind of work through it. Now, so let's start with the concept of work is good, and that's like going to be the emphasis of our study today. Now, at the very beginning, we always kind of go back there. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, it, it's helpful for you to see it. Actually, turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. <coughs> But I think just holding your place there, you understand this is the very beginning, the creation story. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He did work. God worked. That's just a very important thing to see. And he said it was good. The work he did was good. Just, I mean very helpful start see god's first like as he as we are opening the bible in the beginning god is creating and then you notice in 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 really you see what you see before we get to chapter two is he create he's creating this world in six days and when he's finished it we get to chapter two but two verse one thus the heavens and earth were finished and all the host of them and on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work he had done in creation. So what do we see here? God works. God works six days. Work is good because God does it. And we see That God says that it is good. The work that he did was good. Now, it's not the last time we're going to see this. Six days of work on the seventh day rest. It is not the last time. It becomes the pattern for humanity to follow God, to image God, to do as he has done throughout the Bible. You're going to see that on display And when you get to like his people, when he's setting up his this country in Exodus 20, verses eight through 11, it says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. And on the seventh day, you're to, to rest in that first giving of that in Exodus 20 the 7th day the emphasis is on god's creation god created us we work 6 days on the 7th day we rest we pattern him we follow him in that pattern where god when we're looking at that as our creator the next time god is going to emphasize it in a different way and when he comes to Deuteronomy 5 and you see the 10 commandments repeated You'll see six days and on the seventh day rest, you know, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. And what happens? He says, remember, you were bought out of slavery. You were delivered out of bondage, emphasizing God's salvation. So we're going to see this pattern that God said of six days of work, seventh day rest. He's going to pick it up. He's going to tell his people, you work six days on the seventh day you rest. And what he does is he roots and grounds it in god as creator and redeemer of his people they can rest because he providentially cares for his people through creation and he cares for them through actively saving them so work becomes this pattern now the other thing that is interesting and our culture is really messed up i think about this the other thing that's kind of interesting is, is you'll read books right now, uh, different ones where it'll talk about how you can minimize how much you work and maximize how much you play. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's kind of a big deal. Can I get to a place where I can only work three days and then play four days? That, that is not the design. God didn't design it that way. It wasn't like God said, I worked three days and four days. I rested and sat on the porch. It's not the picture. That picture is of working six days and on the seventh day you rest. Now, I just think it's important to see that. It's a beautiful picture, I think, to understand. So we're seeing that from the beginning, God works and God tells his people how they are to work. And rest. And then we kind of have to stop and consider well what how does this flesh itself out? So I'm going to kind of follow the pattern of Tim Keller's book that I mentioned earlier, Every Good Endeavor, and we're just going to look first at the dignity of work. So I want you to look at Genesis one twenty six through twenty eight. Genesis one twenty six through twenty eight. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so God created man in his own image and the image of God he created them male and female he created them and God blessed them and God said to them be fruitful multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth God created a lot of things right Everybody would agree that. You would look at Genesis 1. He creates everything here. But what is distinct about man? Man is created in his image. And man is given a job description. Man is given a role. There is dignity in the work because God has set them apart. It's almost like there's a kingly picture there. They are reigning over creation. God is calling his people to set up this world to organize it, to build cultures, to establish it. And all of that is taking place. There's like this royal position, a kingly function that God has given humanity. It's a beautiful picture for us to understand. Fill the earth and subdue it. They were to multiply and to move throughout the earth subduing it that's a it's a like i said it's a very powerful picture we are called to do this it is a call to build a civilization and rule over the earth we are stewards of the earth that's the calling that god has placed on us so we see the dignity of work second you see it at work as cultivation turn to genesis 2 verses 8 and 9 and the Lord God planted the Garden of Eden in the east, and there he put the man who he formed. And out of the ground he made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Look at verse 15. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden to work it and keep it. Some people, again, I, mean, I do think they think, like, oh, work is a part of the curse. In heaven. No work, you know, or whatever, you know, it's like. No, work in the garden, that was a part of the garden. That was a part of the design of God. That we would work, that we would be active, that we would be productive. And you see Adam at the very outset, you can keep reading these verses and you see him create a helper suitable and you see Adam begin to do This work, he's naming the animals and he's doing all this stuff. There's many different things taking place there. One author writes, for our spiritual growth, there was a divine word to obey in chapter 2. For our cultural and creative development, there was physical work of tending the garden. And the mental stretching and understanding involved in the naming of the animals Finally, in the creation of Eve, and a marriage, there was provision for growing the human race into a full society. All these were given as an elaboration on the overarching job description to fill the earth and subdue it. It is a cultural mandate we are to be involved in. We are to be active in. What does this mean, this cultural mandate? We are called to fill the earth. You know what's interesting? The picture there is that the trees and the plants and all that kind of stuff, they they were just caused to come up from the ground. They they were just kind of growing and God was like placing them there. But with humanity, he gives you a man and a woman and says, you grow it. You establish it. You build families, you create civilizations, you're involved in this process. And then also, we're called to rule and subdue it. It's not that it was in chaos, but to cultivate it. I thought it was interesting when uh, Keller mentions this, but we are not park rangers. We were not called to be them. I mean, I'm not saying there's not anybody called to that. I'm just saying as part of the human race, you're not saying we're park rangers. And what we do is preserve it just as it is. No, no. At the same time, he says, we're not to pave over the garden. Right? But what are we to do? We are gardeners. Cultivating it in order to make it more fruitful, more valuable, more beautiful. God made this creation in such a way where he placed us as his people, his image bearers, to do this work of cultivating the soil in order to produce and to make something more beautiful. And to help people eat and enjoy and and, and, and experience all the wonder of his creation. So we are to be culture making with God. You know, even though you might see a lot of things. And honestly, most people look at life this way. The, the Every day, I mean, and, and there's reasons for it. But they wake up and say about how bad the world is. Everything's horrible. Well, when you there are horrendous things here. But when you look at the inventions of man, when you look at the design of things, when you look at architecture, when you look at just I mean there are hundreds of thousands of things that you look at and observe and experience and enjoy and receive and benefit from, from this thing called humanity, these people that have these skills that they're using and employing. And, you know, when you get sick, you really like them. You're really thankful that someone's in there, like, taking little rats and testing them. I used to have a friend, that's what he did. He put stuff in the heart of a rat until he could figure out a way they put that in the human heart so it would fix it. And I thought, ugh, that's kind of weird. But the reality is, is like if I had that heart condition, I would be like praising that guy. Thank you for investing your life in that. It, it's one of those things where you watch and you think this whole culture building thing, this gardening that God has calls us to, called upon us to do in this world is a marvelous thing that we can be a part of. And I think we have to start thinking about it. So we see the dignity of work, work as cultivation, and then work as service. And this is another thing I think is just really, really, really important for us. The Apostle Paul speaks of this. You can turn to 1 Corinthians 7, 17. The Apostle Paul speaks of the issue of Calling. <clears throat> oftentimes when he speaks of calling, is your call to salvation. But sometimes when he speaks of calling, has the idea that what's here in verse 17, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. In the context, we are talking about ideas of marriage, And those kind of things, human relationships. You're also talking about the place within the culture that you find yourself in, slave or free, which is very closely tied to the work that you would do and the life that you would have lived and the place in society that you would have. It's a calling. He is calling that something that God has called them to, not a ministry position as such but as a secular position. So that's kind of the picture that's going on in the text here. These social and economic tasks that God has given that are are on display. Now, in that culture, if you found yourself in one, for instance, um, you were a slave, you didn't just stop being one. I mean, in this culture, if you are an electrician and you want to be a a doctor, then you just have to say, oh, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to study and I'm going to try to get into the school and then I'm going to go through that study. And we could like change our occupation. But in this culture where you found yourself was where you live. But either way, he said, this is your calling. It is something that God has given you to do an assignment for you to do so the question I think we need to ask ourselves when we think about work as service is how with the existing abilities and opportunities that I have can I be of greatest service to other people knowing what I do of God's will and of human need This may be something that you need to regularly ask yourself as you grow and amass greater skill and you have greater opportunities. So we're looking at this, and I think it's very important to understand it. You're looking at this idea of work and you're thinking through it from a biblical perspective, So important for us to understand it. From a biblical perspective, work is good. God started by showing us He worked. Then he gave us a pattern for work. And then he kept repeating the pattern of you work. And then he speaks of you working and resting in the Lord for what he's given to you. And then you kind of start working through this. And you say, oh, there's dignity to this work. This work is giving me a role and a place to serve. And you just kind of start walking through and you understand that. Now, it's very helpful for us, I think, to see it in this way. If the point of work is to serve and exalt ourselves, then our work inevitably becomes less um, about the work and more about us. But if the purpose of work is to serve and exalt something beyond ourselves, then we actually have a better reason to deploy our talent, ambition, and entrepreneurial vigor, and we are more likely to be successful in the long run. I, I think that's a helpful thing to think about. You are called upon by God to work And in doing so, if you do it to the glory of God and the good of others, this is a great thing. Now, the fourth thing I just want to look at, we only have a couple more, is vocation, and he calls it the mask of God. Uh, When you think about your calling, again, and this is something that happened with Luther. In Luther's time period, the pope and the bishops and the priests and the monks they were kind of the, they were what they called the, the eternal estate or the spiritual estate. They were doing God's work. And then uh, the princes and lords and artisans and farmers, they were doing the temporal kind of work. This kind of, in a way, began to separate the secular and there was kind of this separation between secular and sacred you Want to do God's work, you go into the ministry. You want to do, uh, human or uh, like, like co- just work in the culture, you go do something else. And it began to kind of say, like, almost like there's this higher level of, or if you're a part of the spiritual work, you're like in a better place. The problem is, the scripture says, you can write these down, but first Peter 2 9 says, You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The revelation said you are kings and priests by his blood. That means there's this royal priesthood that all believers have, regardless of the work that they are called by God to do. Luther speaks of this, especially in his larger catechism, when he was speaking of the Lord's Prayer. And he said, when you pray, give us this day our daily bread, you have to think and consider something very important. And I'll just read what he says here. He says, when you pray for this, you're praying for everything that contributes to you having and enjoying your daily bread. You must expand your thinking so that it reaches not only as far as the flour bin and baking oven, but also to the broad fields, the farmlands, and the entire country that produces, processes, and conveys to us our daily bread and all kinds of nourishment. He uses an analogy of God giving people these different vocations and like we give our children chores so that we might grow and mature and become what we are intended to be. He says these are the mask of God by which he, that he uses to do his work in the world. He gives people different vocations and occupations in order to build a society that would bring blessing to others. God, it is God's mask, he says. These are all, he says, God's callings, all ways of doing God's work in the world, all ways through which God distributes his gifts to us. It's very important. And you might say, Jared, why are you focusing on that? I focus on that because I don't think, I, have, I honestly don't think very many people uh, in years past spent much time thinking about it, thinking about what you do, whether you're a parent you know, if you're a mother right now, which in our church with young children, but you're calling what he's called you to do and what that looks like you have to consider. If you're working in just a secular uh, uh, employment and, you, and you're trying to figure out what, what, is, what, what am I doing here? Is this part of God's plan? Am I actually doing the will of God or am I not doing the will of God? It, it's, it will help you consider what you're doing and how you do it. Now, the last thing I think is just really helpful in this uh, when you're thinking about this is thinking about vocation and or your calling and the gospel. Luther talked about this in light of justification by faith when he lived in that world where it was like the spiritual uh, people, the the the, the pastors or, or the you know the priest or whatever they were doing the spiritual work and, and, and we were doing secular work. When he lived in that world, he considered and he thought about that and he thought, you know what, if If we are saved by our works, then those people have a better chance to get in, right? Because that's all they do all the time is spiritual work. And he said, like, if if all work is not God's work and just this is spiritual work, then those who are in the full-time ministry, they may get, like, this card to get into heaven and the rest of us, it's going to be questionable, right? Right? But he said, you know, when, and he even like said there were some like monks like himself that that was kind of the deal is like all of their rigor, their religious rigor ultimately would lead to their salvation. He thought that that would be great. But the problem was he understood the righteousness of God and that he understood after studying the scripture for some time that no man could stand before God with their works and consider themselves right with God. They needed the grace of God that is found in Jesus Christ and so he said if it is true that man's works do not gain him access to God but rather Christ's work gives them access to God then in reality whether you're a minister or whether you're someone out working in a field both of you doing God's work to the glory of God, you're not trying to gain access to God through doing them. You're trusting in what Christ has done, and then you do your work to the glory of God and the good of others out of gratitude for what Christ has done for you. And so I think it changes the way in which you think about your work. Your, your identity is found in Christ. Your standing and merit is in Christ You're not you're free from trying to work to get to God, but rather from the work that he has already done for us in Christ. Now we do out of gratitude. We say, hey, how can I with the gifts I have and the abilities God's given me and the training that he's given me? How can I most glorify God and serve other people? And this is what I'll give my life to. So I hope today maybe you find a newfound respect for work, something that God has given to us. It is good. Right now, you may be working in a job where you're actually getting money for it. You may be working and get nothing for that. But the reality is wherever you are, whatever God's called you to, there's dignity in it. It is a service to God and humanity. You should look for ways to most employ the gifts he's given and to serve people and bless people in it. And you should remember that it's not based upon your works that gains you access to God, but because of Christ's work, We have access to God. And through that, now we're free to serve. We're free to serve not to try to merit something with God, but we're free to serve because out of gratitude, he's already saved us. He's rescued us. And so we employ the gifts he's given us to bless other people. And I hope you'll do that um, throughout the rest of your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you've given us in your word. We thank you for the pattern that you've given us. We thank you for the blessing of work, the goodness of it. We thank you, Lord, that you've gifted this body both spiritually and you've gifted them in many different other ways, Lord, with different talents. I pray that they would use them. And they would use them to glorify you and to bless other people. And I pray that that they would be a blessing to those around them. I pray that they would be a light in this world uh, through the glorious gospel that you've given them.